The next few days in the soccer world are going to be absolutely insane. It's Wednesday, July 19th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The Women's World Cup starts at 3 a.m. Eastern Thursday morning when co-host New Zealand kicks off against Norway. On Friday, we have Lionel Messi's first game with Inter Miami, plus we have some big open questions percolating on the future of soccer in the U.S. and around the globe. And to discuss all of that, I am very excited to be joined by the one and only Roger Bennett, founder of the Men and Blazers Media Network and author of the book Gods of Soccer. Welcome, Raj. Oh, and it's great to be back. Yeah, great to have you. It's a crazy week in the world of soccer. One of the craziest, in fact. Let's start with, I think, the biggest story, though there are many to choose from. Women's World Cup is starting. What are you most excited for? It's an incredible time to be alive. Uh, The Women's World Cup kicks off uh, in Australia and New Zealand, biggest of all time, 32 teams, same as the Lesser Men's World Cup, which took place in November, December And the big storyline going in, I know I sound like I'm from England by my accent, but I love the United States more than even Bruce Springsteen and Dolly Parton. Um, I'm slightly exaggerating. I'll I'll give Dolly Parton the edge. Is that our United States women are going full on Chicago Bull, uh, looking for the three-peat, back to back to back, which is just an incredible feat. Uh, It's a remarkable 23 we're sending, real mix of veterans, Alex Morgan, uh, Megan Rapinoe, uh, their last dance as a middle generation. It's like archaeological layers. Captain Lindsay Horan, last year's World Cup star Rose Lavelle. And there's 14 new players, so much youth. I mean, there's, there's mothers on that team and there's little kids. Alyssa Thompson, 18, who's, who was in high school a couple of months ago and everything in between. Uh, it, it's a the deepest tournament competitively. There are so many fine footballing nations. That's the joy of women's football at the moment. There's so many places where football has been invested in. Football has grown. Spain, England, Germany, France, host Australia are all looking at this tournament and fancying their chances. Um, And so it's going to be genuinely a festival. I hope ultimately will grow the women's game all across the world in the same way as it's surging in America and Europe right now. Yeah. Yeah. The the U.S. dynasty, I I guess, well, maybe it's a dynasty if they win three, but it's pretty incredible, you know, given that, you know, it's not just that they had one convergence of stars. It's, you know, a generational thing. It shows the the strength of the U.S. women's program. How hard a a mountain do they have to climb to make it a third time? Look, Title IX exists in the United States. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Um, And that has given the United States just generational, uh, almost first mover advantage in women's sports. The health of the women's league here, the NWSL, uh, reinforces that. I've spent um, the last couple of nights getting up at 1am with my team to film with a different United States player uh, every night for a series we're doing called Live from Down Under. Uh, which is presented by Bud Light. And um, I can say you know, that, that these teams, Spain, for instance, what, what they have is coaching, elite coaching. Uh, they, have, they have a smaller pool of players than we do in the United States, uh, but they have immense tactical 
advantages, their they, their their ball skills, their 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 footballing intelligence has just come on leaps and bounds. Same in France, England, the the rise of the English game in my lifetime, Owen. When I grew up in Liverpool, to play, to be a women's football player in the eighties in our deeply misogynistic macho society was to be mocked, derided in a horrible fashion. To see that team win the Euros. Uh, the European competition last summer become national darlings and the whole league there thriving. It's one of the most joyous footballing stories of my generation. So there will be real competition, but I can tell you from the conversations I have had with the women, I spoke to Trinity Rodman uh, last night, who's in her first World Cup, 21 years old. It's a focus. Um, There's an intelligence, there's an awareness of the mountain um, that needs to be climbed. And that's what this is. To win a World Cup needs skill. It needs collective focus. Uh, it needs a lack of ego. Um, it needs an intensity. It also needs a lot of luck. Um, and I'm overjoyed. Sam Mewis, who was the star of the last World Cup, is injured, cannot play. And Becky Sauerbrunn, the captain of this team, a late injury, devastating for the United States, also cannot play. They're going to be joining me uh, for every United States game live on Twitch. Uh, and then on podcasts and digital afterwards to break down every step of the way. And I cannot wa- wait to watch what promises to be a hero's journey. Yeah, it should be fantastic. And obviously, yeah, in the US, we've got this dynastic team. In Europe, what we don't have so much here is that they've got relationships. You know, Man United has, you know, a, a, a women's team. Real Madrid has a women's team. and Barcelona. Yeah, exa- exactly. And so the strength of European soccer can, you know, help grow the women's game there. Is that you know, kind of the key factor that the U.S. is missing? Uh, yeah, it's unfair to say that a team that has won the last two World Cups is missing anything. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking to Sam Mewis, we just taped a series of a preview podcasts, breaking down every group, every challenger, every uh, star in the making. And she said, because I asked her a version of that question, Owen, and she said every single tournament, we write the US off now. That's the narrative saying, you know, we're there. they were just athletic tanks that ran over everybody and everything. And now the Europeans have footballing intelligence. They pass, they move, they play a different level of game. The United States will get their comeuppance. By the way, the world does see the United States as very arrogant. I was listening to uh, ESPN Australia where they're fuming over you know the Fox commercial. Essentially, if you've not seen it, it, it makes it almost a fait accompli that the US have already won this tournament. No one can stop them. Um, that Alex Morgan had a giant uh, statue of herself. Not her choice, but I think it was a promo unfurled. Um, you know, they remember the Alex Morgan, the English remember the drinking tea, Sally, after she smited them biblically. At a lot, there is a lot of stewing, a lot of anger, but as Sam Ewer said to me, they say this every tournament and we find a way to win. And that's essentially the biggest narrative uh, going into this one. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it should be fantastic. But not even the only thing that's happening in the soccer world this week, not by a long it's shot. It's incredible days. Oh, wait, these are incredible. <laughs> I just say, on Sunday night, there was a big game in the United States. It was a final, Gold Cup final. Mexico played Panama at the very same time in a very, very biblically wet um, Florida. Lionel Messi was being at the exact same time Lionel Messi was being uh, unveiled as, a, as an MLS player. I was like, this is crazy. The, the Premier League teams are about to flood in Chelsea, Manchester United, a mighty Wrexham, probably biggest of them all in the United States. These are incredible times to have, you know, Messi, the Premier League, the Women's World Cup all colliding uh, at the same time. I genuinely, 10 years ago, 
I didn't think I'd live to see the day. Yeah, well, let's get to that fellow you just mentioned, Lionel Messi. And we spoke about a month ago about when we learned that he's coming to Miami. He's about to make his debut. How has this picture filled in for you in terms of the Messi impact, the Messi presence in the U.S.? Well, we don't know on the field really anymore. Um, He's not played uh, in a while. He is. Let's just say he's been well served uh, during his well-deserved vacation. Takes a footballer to play 90 minutes. Takes some time to play themselves back in. He's in his first training session as we speak, Erin. So the, the height will be at 11. His ability to, you know, play a full 90 minutes I would guess will will, it will take a couple of weeks for that and so there's the there's the what we want there's what we dream of there's what we'll get and I think over time the gap will close um from again from a footballing reality into Miami uh um are a club that have had a very difficult season they are rock bottom uh of their league there's 12 games to go um in this season and so uh, on one level, he'll be playing out the string of the season, but on the other level, he will be bringing a global megaphone and attaching it to these games. And that's the surreal nature of this reality. As when I last spoke to you, I said, I said then any restaurant that Lionel Messi goes to will become almost a holy site uh, for tourists. And we've seen that Lionel Messi goes to Publix and it, um, you know, it just made news all around the world that this dude buys Lucky Charms for breakfast. I mean, that was like the shopping cart seen all around the world. And this is the surreal, it's a surreal, absurd, and truly incredible. Uh, this is the feat for me uh, that MLS have pulled off the Mass Brothers in Miami, David Beckham, is they have taken uh, what is one of the world's biggest megaphones and just welded it right onto their reality. Uh, in the here and now, and it's creating scenes that are you know, w- incredible, magical, um, so thunderously loud. And uh, the league, in its current being, um, is going to be scrutinised for all of its strengths and all of its weaknesses. With the whole world watching now, and it's 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 hilarious. It's magical. It's 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 absurd. I have a question that I feel kind of bad asking, but it it feels like the obvious one, which is, you know, Inter-Miami is they're the worst team in MLS right now. What if in a year, two years, they're still pretty bad, even with Messi? What does that do? <sighs> there's scenarios, there's crazy scenarios, Owen. Um, and I tell you, almost all of them are good uh, with Messi. The spotlight he brings to the United States game, the commercial explosion that he'll bring around the game these are all great things um but you're asking you know if he you know he's 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 in mid-30s um mls is a strange league you speak to players who come in elite players who come in from the premier league um many of them love it many of them thrive a number of them you know steven gerrard who at liverpool was one of the greatest box-to-box buccaneering swashbuckling uh, english midfielders of his generation famously struggled in LA. This is a this is the guy that was so used to Liverpool, been there his whole life. You know, his car uh, almost autopiloted itself around the streets of Liverpool. Um, yeah, we'd walk into every restaurant and it was like the opening scene of the uh, of Goodfellas where when they go into the Cooper and tables just materialize for him. You know, he came on a show, he's like, I don't understand LA. I don't understand the roads. I don't understand they eat sushi. They eat sushi. They eat raw fish here. What is animal style? I've been in and out burgers. I don't know. And like, it was mine was blowing off the field. 
And then on the field, I mean, he said famously, he said, this is a hard league, not on the field, but it's just like the travel, just a different, every game is almost on a different planet. Travel conditions, just the stadium conditions, you know, playing some games in baseball stadia. And then you're off to like uh, another planet in Colorado that's loosely connected to the city of Denver. Um, he said it was just like exhausting and shattering the distances, uh, the different weather climbs. So there is a scenario where, you know, Messi, Struggles. Then there's players like Wayne Rooney, another legend for the England team who loved it. Who you know when they they offered him um, his own bedroom on the road, said, "What do people do?" Uh, did I, and they said, "When most people, everyone shares a room." He goes, "I'll share the room." And then they said, "You know, you can fly first class." He said, "What do the rest of the team do?" He said, "They all fly coach." He said, "I'll fly coach." He loved every second of it, and is now a coach. So I would say, here's why I'd say: there's enough commercial reason with the Apple deal that's buckled in with the um, Adidas deal, which is being negotiated for Lionel Messi to be the Wayne Rooney kind of player and not the Steven Gerrard kind of player. But only time will tell. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. So, of course, Messi had a very lucrative offer from the Saudi Pro League. MLS Commissioner Don Garber recently said, you know, we're not worried about the Saudi Pro League. You know, we're, you know, we're both, you know, leagues that, Players from Europe, if they want to go somewhere else or they're reaching that age, um, might might look to, but they're not a problem. Of course, he's going to say that, but it, should MLS be at all concerned about the Saudi Pro League? Well, the Saudi Pro League, uh, if your listeners know this, the, the huge amount of money is being invested into football of all kinds by um, by the nation state. Uh, you know, bought a Premier League team, transformed it, Newcastle overnight into a Champions League contending club. Uh, the Champions League is more, it's not a threat to European football, but it's transforming European football. Suddenly players, you know, every team, Manchester City, Manchester United, they would have had transfer plans for the season. Uh, and those transfer plans would have been ripped up when they realized they could sell old players for, you know, huge sums to Saudi Arabia suddenly. That's just creating a crazy new force field, a phenomenon, a huge new source of capital uh, that is changing and reinforcing in some ways the huge gulf of the mega teams um, and making the richer, richer um, in, in the Premier League, certainly creating many, many headaches for uh, the Premier League where you know, Chelsea, run by Todd Burley, who has uh, Saudi Arabian investors, is selling some of his Deadwood players for huge sums to the Saudi Arabian League who are investing in his team. So there's a clear self-dealing, but no one had thought of that loophole when they tried to work out the, the regulations that run the Premier League. So it's a ch real challenge to the European League in many, many ways. I don't see MLS competing with Saudi Arabia. MLS is, was on a path of, of getting young players, young great players from South and Central America and selling them on. That was its place in the food chain in England. In, in European football, in global football. Um, and so that's really still the mission. The fact is they've just accelerated it by buckling on Messi. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that there's going to be too much more of buying these legends and buckling. They've got Messi. He's the one and only. He's the crown jewel. It's as if there's only one Fabergé egg in the world and they've attached that already to the league. You know, the pathway for MLS is, is, is growing its young talent, elite talent, and selling them on. It's like a five, six-year cycle. And what, what uh, the United States has and that Saudi Arabia doesn't in terms of commercial growth is the World Cup coming. Saudi Arabia wants the 2030 World Cup. That's why it's doing much of the crazy money flinging that it's doing. 
We have the 2026 Men's World Cup coming to the United States. That's already a given. And that is the force field which is going to grow the game. Garber's recipe, and it's incredible, is Men's World Cup plus Lionel Messi, two incredible tidal waves, both um, throwing their forces of acceleration into MLS. And please God, between now and 2026, they will allow the acceleration to occur with or without the Saudi uh, the sound, incredible Saudi noise that's going on at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that the U.S. has that I don't know if other countries have this is we have two competing leagues, essentially, both on the men's and women's side. The USL is kind of thought of as the other league. MLS is the main one. But the USL is is trying to, you know, um, up its game by potentially introducing promotion and relegation. Uh, do you think they should? And what would that mean for U.S. soccer? Yeah, it's a, it is a strange league system we have here in the United States. I, I have not encountered the like. I mean, it's like a, a legacy of, of of the days when uh, the United States was a backwater and a lot of the systems we have, particularly still in youth development, are jerry-rigged uh, together for reasons of self-interest. Um, and the USL, it's almost like the RC Cola of, um, you know, it's there. Uh, I think it's magnificent, by the way. I think the USL is, it's an incredible phenomenon. A lot of investors look at the USL and think, wow, that's actually thats actually the value proposition as an owner uh, and, are, and are, are staking claims uh, in these USL teams. It covers the country, uh, has men's and women's leagues in it. Um, it has um, you know, professional and semi-professional. So you have the youth development possibility there in terms of uh, of commercially making money. Um, I admire it greatly. It, it's a very strange system. It's hard to project exactly what the scenarios are because it is possibly going to get buried alive um, by MLS, which in its own right is always terrified of being buried alive by the Premier League uh, in its own backyard at the same time. You know, when when the president of UEFA, Alexander Sheferin, comes on my show, as he did two months ago, and said, you know, it's very serious. He said, we'd like to play the Champions League final in New York in a couple of years' time. You know, if you're an American owner of a team in MLS or USL, you've got to hear that and be like, holy crap, those bastards are going to bury us alive in our own backyard. So the future for all of it is filled with potential. Yes, the World Cup's coming. My God, that's accelerating everything. Yes, uh, Lionel Messi is here and bringing so much noise to the game. Just wait, by the way. Right now, we're just obsessing about his supermarket runs and his ability to make left turns against the light. Uh, but as soon as the Miami Heat play and that bloke is courtside or, or Jimmy Butler's courtside um, uh, into Miami, I mean, the, 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 you know, Jack Harlow is going to stop paratrooping into Miami to watch. This noise is going to go up to 11. Uh, there's many, many scenarios for the future of the men's game in this nation. It's not entirely clear what any of them are, but Godspeed, uh, USL, that promotion and relegation thing, I think at least externally, listening to Tim Ream, who's just joined the Men in Blazers media network, brought his show to us. I mean, he thinks very seriously that adding that promotion and relegation, which is something MLS does not have, from the outside, it creates the optics that that is a very serious league. That's an authentic league. And that's also when you have promotion and relegation, the commercial realities start to um, be limitless. The youth development, recruitment, youth development uh, opportunities become very, very real. And you speak to footballers outside 
uh, of the United States. And uh, when they hear about that, they, you know, they'll take off their cap and, uh, and doff it in the USL's direction. All right. Last one before we go. Uh, Wrexham is, is suddenly the, the U.S.'s favorite team, perhaps. Uh, you, you guys are working with them as well. Uh, what is this Wrexham phenomenon? Yeah, it's an incredible phenomenon. I mean, again, I said we're living in incredible times. Women's World Cup, Messi, Premier League teams flocking across America. And Wrexham, tiny Wrexham, um, they, I think they're calling it the USA Invasion 2023, about to play across uh, our nation from sea to shining sea. It's an incredible story. I mean, this is a League Two side. This is like in baseball's pantheon, that single A baseball is what that uh, equates to. But I take it really seriously. We noticed on the Men and Blazers media network um, when we posted about Wrexham taken over uh, by Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, taken over in a really thoughtful, serious, uh, almost humble way, uh, strategic, the way they lifted up this town. I, I was born near Wrexham. Um, I mean, this is a hard part of Britain. This is a this this is part of Britain that's been left bereft by the government, a former mining country, really with nothing. And they paratrooped in taking that team and made a dream occur and taking it from, from, from like essentially the independent league in baseball parlance back into uh, the big time. And they, they want to take it on a hero's journey, like an epic Greek, you know, uh, uh, odyssey uh, right back into the big time. Um, and what they've done is taken a team. It's almost a, it's a fish out of water story and the classic Northern exposure um, kind of series, Hollywood celebrities in a place they shouldn't be, but they're loving it. The place loves them back. Uh, they're lifting up the characters, the community, the team. Um, they've caught, you know, the, the players who are flocking to the team now are so much better than you should have at that level. They're starting to win. The fans are starting to dream. The town's flooded with self-confidence. And the great two tricks they've done, Owen, to answer your question is, you know, People who are lifelong Chelsea fans, people who are lifelong Arsenal fans, you can still love Wrexham. Wrexham can be, they're not threatening. They're, they're like a team of Ewoks. So everybody bloody loves it. If you love football, everybody loves them. And with this Welcome to Wrexham show, they brought in a double audience, people who don't care about football, but care about joy and empathy and community and dreams and possibility. And you flock those together. And they built with the again another huge megaphone, the Ryan Reynolds megaphone that they've uh, they they've attached to this small team. They've they've turned it into the world's smallest, biggest super club, um, and it's magnificent to see. They're playing Manchester United. Um, they are playing Chelsea in preseason. They're playing Chelsea in North Carolina. I believe the stadium fifty one thousand tickets sold out almost immediately. And what they're selling is joy. And what they're selling is hope. And what they're selling is love and possibility. It's everything that's good about sports. And I think they're selling, you know, any sports fan, I'm wearing a Chicago White Sox jacket as I podcast, say any sports fan, apart from maybe a Chicago White Sox fan, uh, when you watch Wrexham, you believe that your team too can rise from the ashes and, and, and experience glory. Um, so God bless. I, I admire it greatly. We've just launched a series with them where we are spending time with the team, spending time with essentially going under the hood with the manager, the owners, uh, the star players, and the fans of the team to dig deeper into this phenomenon. But I'll just say this, Owen, it's real. Um, it's not a fad. 
Um, it is, and it's also human beauty, and I think it's everything that's good about sports. Yeah, exactly. It's everyone's favorite sports story: is the scrappy, lovable team that no one, you know, takes seriously suddenly rising up to, you know, you know, we'll see how high they go. <laughs> but oh, you, when, when I hear you say that, Owen, you make me believe the Chicago Bears could be dynastic once again <laughs> yeah. in my lifetime, and I love you for it. <laughs> Anything's possible, Roger Bennett. We live in interesting <laughs> times. Wonderful to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank- Thank you so much. Make great memories watching football. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, drop us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Tomorrow we have Lindsay Horan, the co-captain of the U.S. women's national team. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.